Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Good afternoon, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here with the last week in Mortgage Today, our weekly walk through all the latest happenings in the mortgage industry each week. I am pleased to be joined by one of our lender members as my co-host. And this week, the Chief Financial Officer from Thrive Mortgage out of Georgetown, Texas, just north of Austin. Right, Michael? Yep, that's right. Just north. Michael Jones. Michael, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've uh, been watching these shows for a while, so I appreciate you having me on. Cool. We always, you are one of our more engaged members and yeah, just appreciate your contributions and looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, me too. So uh, just to level set with the audience, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Thrive, general size, channel strategy, anything unique unique that you guys got in the hopper uh, as we head into the meat of uh, 2021 here? Yeah, so we are, uh, we've been in business 20 years this year. So that's a fun milestone to hit. And uh, we have crossed about 600 employees. Uh, we funded about 2.1, 2.2 billion of origination last year. Historically, we've always been a purchase shop. And so we're transitioning well into this market and probably what the next few years will bring, uh, even with refinances going away and uh, some of the changes that are coming down the pipe. Um, our claim to fame is probably e-notes. Uh, we, we have continued to be very aggressive in the e-note space, but we also offer construction lending. Um, and that's another area that we've really shown over the last five, six years as that program has gotten very robust and we've been able to roll it out into more states. Um, and we're excited about what we're going to be able to do in 21 and beyond as it relates to construction. So we think those are important products for us moving forward. Awesome. And a lot, yeah, you were leading e-close sessions for us at our conferences like three, four years ago before, uh, you know, it was really commonplace in the industry. You guys were one of the first companies out there with a true full e-close platform and yeah, have just been an in- innovative company in so many ways uh, over the years that uh, you've been members of TMC and uh, uh, excited to get into the conversation today. So let's start with mortgage rates. They've dropped back down uh, into the you know kind of high twos on the thirty year fixed, fifteen years, and the kind of low to mid uh, low to mid twos. Uh, how has that impacted applications these last couple of weeks for you guys? And how do you see just you know I guess short and long term the interest rate climate playing out here in twenty twenty one? Yeah, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. So uh, February, I think, is where all the lenders felt that spike, um, just because overnight you had the drop off in applications. Um, we It's been a bit of a mixed bag. I think that also got some people off the fence because people were being, borrowers were being lulled into this expectation of, hey, rates are low, they're going to be low for a while, so I've got time if I haven't taken action. Um, you also had some shops across the industry that were uh, they, they were still clogged up uh, from all the activity that they had. They couldn't get through their production. Um, and so that's why I think it was a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, we've seen rates tick up, um, but thankfully, we are in some of the best markets in the country, Texas, Colorado, Ohio, Kentucky. Um, and those have seen some very strong, uh, strong growth. And we're continuing to see um, just people flock into these states. Um, so lenders in those areas probably aren't feeling it as much as maybe the Northeast or, you know, even maybe California. Um, but it's uh, it's been a good market so far. Thankfully, it's a strong purchase market. Absolutely. And margins, have you began, I mean, obviously margins are, last year was a complete anomaly and a great thing for our industry and our members, but how, to what degree have you felt like the margin 
compression pain, uh, like just so far here, like in May. Yeah, so definitely, you're right. Margins have come down. We have not seen, and and I think Stratmore uh, had a good presentation yesterday, which is you haven't really felt the margins compress necessarily, especially if you've kept your house in order. Um, but there's definitely not as much meat on the bone uh, as there was even back in, say, August. That's probably whenever it spiked. And then you had the adverse uh, market fee come in in October. You saw 50 basis points just fall off uh, overnight as as that fee was placed into the market. Um, so margins have definitely tightened. There's not as much meat, but we're definitely not where we were back in 2018 when it was a fist fight, uh, whenever you saw those bonds just lose all of the value that they had. Um, and that was painful. And, and we haven't seen that yet. I don't think that's necessarily on the immediate horizon, but I think what we're going to start to see is more of that lender competition on the streets where they're offering lender credits, lower rates, and they're skinning up on the streets, not necessarily getting skinnied up on the back end in the secondary market. Moving on, uh, so many changes right now, potentially, and currently with just Fannie and Freddie and FHFA. It's such a jumbled mess with uh, Calabria really being a byproduct of the previous administration and current administration pursuing housing policies and agendas really contrary to some of the moves he's making. I heard Bob Brokesmith uh, MBA president yesterday on the Ohio Mortgage Bankers virtual conference speak and, you know, really just said it's it's just unbelievable to them how disruptive that Calabria and FHFA are being in the marketplace. Um, so I guess we'll start with, you know, what has been put out there, uh, the 7% non-owner cap. How did that impact you guys? Did it cause you to make major changes with your existing pipeline and any other immediate thoughts on that change? Yeah, that change really is frustrating and doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, and and I think there's probably some speculation that maybe this is coming in from um, some of the parties trying to free up inventory uh, because there has been over the last decade a great opportunity for people to buy investment properties and second homes um, at lower prices, favorable interest rates. And we've seen the rental market really strong in many areas of the country. So part of that may be a move to try to free up some inventory. I think along the lines of the adverse market fee, it really just doesn't make sense. You know, that was supposed to uh, help pad earnings against the risk for the GSEs. And we know that those loans are going to perform fairly well because they were originated in the depths of the pandemic. And so if you couldn't qualify for a mortgage in the depths of the pandemic, you're probably not going to have an issue coming out of the pandemic whenever the economy is just going to be on a tear with all the things that are going on. So um, unfortunately, you know, that, that was a way for them to pad earnings. Um, and then this move to try to take a, a more risky asset out of the book of business, it really just doesn't make sense. Um, I've, I've felt for a while, and particularly with this latest move, that uh, it's a way for them to back out of the market, whereas they have been the entire market since the meltdown. I think this is a way for them to, to continuously back out of the market so that other players can come in with private label security. Or even as the uh, PSPA talks about it as one of their final bullet points, um, the government apparently wants more GSE entities out into the mix. And I can only speculate what that means, but I guess it's potential. It, it's a possibility that a new GSE could come up for this riskier business um, and they would have an appetite for that. So, 
but it's disruptive for sure, uh, because I think every lender in the country was running hot coming into 21. And then for the announcement to come in in mid-March, when you've already had two, two and a half months of production and you're planning on having future production, uh, it's unfair to borrowers and, and it can be unfair to lenders as well. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. This week, joined by Thrive Mortgage Chief Financial Officer Michael Jones. And Michael, we've had some some of our members saying uh, that they're hearing from Freddie that they could be coming out like with a five percent cap on non-owner, kind of tipping off some of our members. Nothing officially that I know of has come out from Freddie Mac yet. But have you heard anything like that or any other speculation you've heard of next moves potentially to come? Yeah, we had an opportunity to speak with Fannie Mae a couple of weeks ago uh, as part of CMLA, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, and we voiced our concern to Fannie, not Freddie, but Fannie, um, that the there there was just misinformation all over the place, and that we needed to have a solid message as the lending community as to what the next steps were going to be. Um, you know, is six one a solid date? Is it eight one? Uh, what happens? Can you actually deliver a loan? Is there going to be a price hit? So we pushed them to try to clarify that message. Um, thankfully, they were willing to listen to that and they were going to come back to the market um, after a few weeks and, and try to clarify that message and be more straightforward. As it relates to Freddie, I also heard about that 5%. Um, I think that may either be hitting the biggest lenders in the country, or that may, again, may have been a bit of a misinformation that Freddie is now trying to walk back um, so that it is the 7% cap again. Um, so I, it, it's confusing. And I heard the same thing. Uh, and as always, any questions, comments, anybody in the audience has, please just feel free to uh, opine in the chat of the Q&A and we will voice them aloud. So um, the housing market in general is crazy. You know, we've been making jokes on these programs about just, you know, lumber poachers and lumber prices and, uh, you know, really a unique uh, set of circumstances going on right now with housing in America with uh not only lumber, but copper and other materials that are used to build homes that are really uh, inflating values of new builds. I want to get into construction in a minute here, but uh, just in general, I know you guys are in a bunch of different markets, but what's the housing market like down in Texas? Is It's got to be crazy like it is everywhere. And uh, you guys are just north of Austin. That's a real emerging market. What's it like to try to get a house like in or around Austin right now? Yeah, it, it's tough. Uh, we had a loan officer post in our internal chat uh, just anecdotally about what happened with one of their borrowers. Uh, there, They were 20 offers that were submitted on the home and their borrower was just in the mix. And I think 10, 10 or 12 of them were at least 25,000 above asking price. And it's no trick for us to see 50,000, 100,000 over asking price, no contingencies, no inspections, ca all cash. Um, so it, it's a fistfight out there. Um, and it's, it's hard because this is the opportunity that millennials and, and even the younger generation have coming into the market, maybe moving out of these cities, trying to take advantage of these low rates. And then they come straight into the face of a inventory crisis, in addition to material problems and, and even builders not able to develop the lots as quickly as they would like to. So it's an absolute mess. And I haven't heard of a single market that hasn't been touched. Um, it looks like everybody wants a house everywhere right now. Yeah, Fannie Mae comes out with the survey, just the housing sentiment survey. I saw it came out yesterday. I think 49% 
of potential home buyers they surveyed said it was not a good time to buy a house right now. Yet people want new houses because it's spring and we've been locked in them for a year and, uh, interest rates are low. So it's just a weird confluence of events right now. It seems like purchase activity has stayed pretty strong through it. Uh, I'm sure that's what you guys are seeing. Yeah, we are. Uh, we know it's going to be a strong purchase market. And uh, one of the things that we've really tried to focus on, in addition to our construction, because it's been incredibly helpful for us to have our construction program over the last almost 10 years now um, and expanding into the future. But we've also tried to look at other products like uh, modular homes, barn dominiums, uh, manufactured homes. Those are all products we really like. Um, I'd like to be one of the first companies in America to finance a uh, concrete 3D printed home and sell it to the GSEs. Um, and so I, I just, those are opportunities we're looking at is let's go into markets and let's be really nimble in the markets that we currently serve so that if somebody wants to buy a certain type of home or uh, you know build a certain type of home that we can finance that. And I think that's going to be important because one of the frustrating things we have as we have folks migrating from various parts of the country is there's going to be inventory you can't move. And so there's probably going to be certain cities, even certain states um, that are going to have inventory that nobody necessarily wants to buy. And I think there's going to be this odd dislocation of inventory um, where the hottest areas of the country aren't going to have enough. The materials are going to be difficult. The land may or may not be developed. And then 6, 12, maybe even 24 months from now, we may have huge sections of these cities um, that have been vacated. And what do you do with that inventory? Um, even investors may not swoop into that because your renters may have moved to these other locations as well. So I don't know what that looks like, but that's something I've thought about. That's a great point. I, yeah, I've, I've not heard that theory yet, but that sure makes a lot of sense. So, um, Michael Thrive, such an innovative company from, you know, being pioneers on e-clothes uh, to some of the unique things you're doing with health insurance for your employees um, to, uh, you know, fulfillment services for smaller organizations and the construction product you mentioned. And just our IMB members at TMC, I think like two of their, like, Two ongoing frustrations are like, we need a good jumbo outlet, and it's frustrating to not be able to do construction lending. Yet you guys have been able to do it as an independent mortgage bank. Um, you know, conventional wisdom out there is like to do a construction loan, you got to be a depository with loans you could fund, and it's difficult to hedge these things if you have to sell them. Um, I guess just talk a little bit about how you spawn the product and uh, how you see the construction market playing out this year and next with some of the headwinds yet great demand yeah um you know the the construction product it, it there's never an easy way to get into it and you definitely have to commit you have to be all in because once once that ball starts rolling, it begins to pick up more and more momentum. And as you're servicing these loans, you need to make sure that you've got really strong uh, approval processes for both your borrowers and builders. You need to have early warning systems to make sure everything's going well. So it's one of those things that we've always uh, beat the drum on as being a really important product for us. But it's also one of those products you have to be very, very careful with. Um, and I think for, for us and probably other IMBs that are out there, um, we've always taken the 
the view that we don't ever want to not have a product for one of our loan officers or one of our borrowers. And so that has helped us take some of these risks, you know, things that we can at least quantify and try to protect around, but also are much needed and differentiate ourselves. Um, and so as we move forward, I think there's going to be just more and more demand for one-time close products, um, even two-time close where you offer the interim financing and then you do the perm on the back end. Um, paying off that first lien is going to be really important as these builders look to expand out. Um, and one of the things that we've also looked at is, you know, what type of bridge financing can be available out there? Uh, because you're going to have more dislocation, people moving from one state into another, but they need to buy a, a home that may or may not even be constructed yet. So how do you solve that problem? How do you compete against the high buyers? Those are things that we're looking at because it's a natural complement to our construction product. Um, and as it relates to Jumbo, you're 100% right. Um, Jumbo is something that we've historically, um, we, we've had to be somewhat vanilla on just because it can be very difficult to, to have a strong Jumbo outlet. Um, so we're excited in the next couple of months, we're going to be able to have a really robust Jumbo construction product, uh, as well as uh, just Jumbos that we're bringing in-house over and above our current offering. Um, so we're excited about that. But that'll be another important product as these home prices continue to go up. Yeah, certainly such a demand out there just in the housing market in general for new homes to be constructed. I, I think, you know, we all know that uh, homes have been underbuilt uh, these last five or six or seven years. And then you have the pandemic and demand for housing nationally just goes up and you kind of get the inventory situation that we're, we're stuck in here now. And you know, like the housing start numbers were great in March. It seems like there is still people that are willing to pay the lumber tax for, to, to build new homes. And I don't see that demand going down because I think a lot of people have, especially at the upper end of, uh, you know, kind of the wealth cycle have done very well uh, during the pandemic for different reasons. Uh, and, you know, I, I, so I think that top end that there's a lot of demand. I think there's people that are willing to kind of pay that, that tax. So, um, but the construction product in general, I mean, to be viable, you got to have a fixed rate, especially with how low fixed rates are right now. Uh, and to not expose yourself to pretty significant interest rate risk. So if today's 30-year fixed rate is 275 and you're offering, say, 3.1 on a 30-year fixed rate construction, you're not going to have a loan you can sell for depending on a lot of different things, seven, eight, nine, 10 months. I remember one of my last projects at the bank I was at before taking this job was to develop that program, to sell C2Ps that we were putting in the portfolio. And it was so complex. It was, you know, hedging that interest rate risk over eight, nine, or 10 months. You're making some interest income in the interim there. But then, as you said, there's so many levers and stops that you have to put in place. Like what happens if, you know, somebody starts building a home and as they're constructing the home, they go out and buy $60,000 worth of crap and wreck their credit, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's a very, it's gotta be a very labor intensive process, but it's one that differentiates you in the marketplace. And I know that it's been net net a great thing for you guys. Yeah, it, it has. And, and I think one of the next things that we're going to have to focus on is 
thankfully, we've been in a falling interest rate environment for the last two or three years, uh, coming off of the craziness that was 2018. Um, 2019 started off with lower rates, and then, of course, we saw what happened in 2020. Uh, so that's going to be one of our focuses, is to make sure that we have one of the best uh, long-term lock programs that we can. The way that we've been doing things in the past has worked for us because it's allowed us to undercut our hedge cost. Um, but now we need to make sure that we truly can hedge against that rising interest cost. Um, and so that's something that we've had to solve for really since February. Um, but a combination of the borrower participating in that, yeah. uh, where they need to put some money, put some skin in the game, and then you, you buffer that with a slightly higher interest rate. That's typically how we have found uh, long-term locks to work well. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. I have about 10 minutes left with Thrive Mortgage CFO, Michael Jones. And Michael, the competitive landscape. Uh, just curious to get your thoughts on the competitive landscape. Uh, we've seen independent mortgage banks uh, gain some market share. The big money center banks have you know, stayed out of mortgage, at least to the extent that they were in the years leading up to the meltdown. And uh, uh, just interested to see how you view kind of the competitive landscape going forward. Certainly a lot of really big lenders, big IMBs either went public or, um, you know, are looking to scale their businesses. But uh, just curious how you look at the competitive landscape as we get into 2021. Yeah, I think 21 will be very competitive um, for probably two reasons. One is anytime a entity hears that there's a lot of money to be made in the market like there was in 2020, you see everybody pile into it to try to, to make their dollar as well. Um, and so I think we've seen some of that explosion in the um, somewhat traditional lenders, but the ones that also have private backing, really startups that uh, you, you, we all know the story, you know, hey, I tried to buy a house and, you know, it was antiquated technology and I can't believe I had to sign all these papers. So I decided to go start a mortgage company. Um, that's kind of along the lines of better mortgage, I think. And I, I hear that more and more every time we see some sort of a fintech startup. Um, and so I think that's just going to, that's, that's what's happening here is everybody is going to try to pile in um, with all the uh, volume that we're going to see in 2021 and, and probably 2022 as well, just this really strong, robust market. And then with uh, Quicken and United Wholesale Mortgage and Loan Depot and some of these other guys going public, um, they're going to have to report and be held accountable to their shareholders. And for better or worse, um, that's going to create a more unique landscape than I think we've ever seen. We've always had Chase and Wells Fargo and some of those publicly traded banks that you had to compete with. But I think now when you've got these traditional mortgage companies that are now publicly traded, um, it's going to get real interesting. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like. I think there's going to be this push for them to cut margins. But to a certain extent, they could cut margins and lose money before and still look like heroes. And now that's going to be publicly displayed. The stock market is not going to be favorable to them if they have poor margins and they're losing money. Um, and so it, it's going to be very interesting, but they have a large war chest. And so I think any lender that is really sitting back and not paying attention to this market uh, is in for a big surprise uh, whenever some of that competition really sets in because these companies have the cash and they're going to compete. Yeah, Rocket had their earnings call. I, I think it was late last week, and UWM had theirs this morning. Um, you know, partially as a byproduct of the war they've engaged in with one another, they have cut margins down to the bone, and you know, it was evident in their first quarter earnings. And you know, both stock prices have just tanked. United Wholesale was down in the mid sixes uh, a share when I looked last. 
just before the show here. And I didn't listen to all the earnings call, but it, you know, most of it was Ishbia just, you know, trying to explain why margins had dropped so incredibly uh, significantly and, you know, claiming he had won the war and all that. But uh, yeah, it's a whole different world when you go public and uh, it'll be interesting to see how those companies uh, pull through it. So, um, but uh, yeah, certainly a new, new world order uh, for, for them over there. So um, we just did an extensive survey of our members uh, and it was really interesting, the results. It was, we sent it to about 600 kind of key leaders, um, you know, taking their temperature on what are the most pertinent issues to them right now in the marketplace. And one that had moved way to the top that never registered before was fair lending compliance. And for all the obvious reasons, uh, you know, the new CFPB as, as well as the new HUD Secretary Marshall Fudge has been pretty clear. They want to see an even playing field and um, you know, think that all lenders should be held to fair lending standards and audits. Is that something you guys have started to think about as an independent mortgage bank? Yeah, it has. Um, and we're, we're one of the companies, and I, and I think a lot of the members at TMC are this way as well, that we always want to do the right thing. And so we've never really taken our eye off of the Dodd-Frank ball and TRID and the CFPB. Um, but I, I think it's coming back with a vengeance, uh, whereas we had a more lax environment under the Trump administration and regime. Um, it seems like we always make up for lost ground when there's a regime change like that. And so, yeah, we're paying very close attention to it because as I've heard some of the law firms describe this, and um, it, they can be a bit fatalistic um, and uh, apocalyptic, but the way that they've described it is if your data makes it appear that you're redlining or there's disparate impact or anything like that, disparate treatment, you don't get a defense. You just get fined, you get put out of business. Um, you know, basically the hammer comes crashing down and there's no opportunity to cure it prior to facing some sort of penalty. And so I do think that needs to be a, a big focus for a lot of mortgage companies. Uh, some mortgage companies, again, are new to the game. Uh, I heard a story at lunch today that uh, there's a startup mortgage company and uh, they didn't realize that they couldn't compensate their loan officers a certain way because that was breaking rules. Um, and so they received counsel from, uh, from the end of individual they were speaking with that, hey, you need to go speak to a mortgage-related attorney on these comp plans so that you guys don't you know, get put out of business. And so I think some of that is good for the players that have been in the game for the last 10, 20, maybe even longer uh, years. They've got some of that experience and some of that uh, wariness of knowing when they really need to be paying attention and, and you know, maybe being overcautious so that they can continue to be in business and provide for their communities. I think some of these new folks are going to take it on the chin. That may do the rest of us a favor. Um, you know, if, if we see some market participants shrink back because of the regulation, then one of the things it, it is somewhat job security, even if it can be frustrating to deal with, is whenever the regulation comes in and it can be unpredictable or it can be really expensive, you don't see nearly as many startups and you don't see nearly as many people rocket up um, to, you know, uh, just huge volumes because they have to go slower in order to compete so that they do things the right way. And so I, I, it's a double-edged sword. We're worried about it, but I'm also thankful for it because I think it was starting to get too much like the Wild West uh, with some of the lending practices that we were seeing and the way that some people were trying to compete. That's a great point and one that has not been brought up. But you're right. This type of climate that we're going into, right, shrinking margins and uh, a more intensive compliance environment, it's going to keep 
new lenders from entering the marketplace. And, you know, probably going to see some consolidation, uh, some M&A as well. So uh, definitely a positive byproduct. And just had a question come in the chat, kind of along the lines of what you were just talking about. It is, Michael, what are your thoughts on Powell's recent announcement that he would like to see all lenders, not just banks, to follow the CRA guidelines to meet the low and mod communities? Yeah, it's... It, it's good and bad, right? I, I think most lenders out there, they, they truly want to serve all their communities and they want as many loans as they can do uh, to come in the door so that they can serve their relationships, make the borrower happy, their loan officer happy. Uh, but I think to a certain extent, if some of these very difficult to comply with regulations come and are placed on our backs, um, it just leads to more and more frustration. It leads to more and more costs, which ultimately get borne by the consumer. Um, and so I think while the intention is good there, um, I, I just suspect that that's going to backfire. If the Fed really wanted to help us out here, and I heard Richard Cordray say this again and again, along with his staff, um, then they can change the LO comp rule that they largely put into place, uh, the Fed did, um, and in coordination with everybody else. Because if we're going to have to go and serve those communities, largely that needs to be done with DPA and bond programs. And yet we know those aren't very profitable loans, and we can't pay our loan officers different on those, uh, or at least you you really risk running into trouble if you do. And so they could really get serious about making some of those LO comp changes so that we won't have a problem offering all the, um, you know, the, the bond programs and the DPA that's out there. And Cordray's back, not on the mortgage side, but the CFPB hired him as like an advisor for to solve like the student debt program or something. So, but I saw that headline. I, I did the double take. I was, he's in Ohio. And so he ran for governor here and, narrowly lost uh, in the last election. So he's a familiar name to me. And uh, for a split second, I thought he was coming back to the mortgage industry. So uh, (laughs) this is the last week in mortgage today. Rich Swabinski just finishing things up here with uh, Thrive Mortgage CFO, Michael Jones. And Michael, another thing that came out of the survey, the number one, I think, overriding theme amongst our members was just modernizing their operational infrastructure to insulate against the insane ups and downs of our industry. You mentioned the winter of 1819 was like just the worst I've ever seen, I think. And then last year was just the polar opposite of that, just fish in a barrel. And, uh, you know, just your general thoughts on that. I know you guys are a very tech forward company, but the roles of like humans versus technology. And do you think that, uh, you know, and, and how, I guess, how here is next level mortgage technology? Do you feel like what lenders can see and purchase now is the ultimate solutions or uh, do you feel it still needs refined a little bit more? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think some of the tech that's out right now is interesting. Uh, I think some of the vendors and even the technology has been a bit overhyped, as best I can tell. And, and I don't want to act like I'm the absolute expert on this, uh, but we have looked at it a lot. We are currently doing some things um, that I'll, I'll at least uh, stay secret sauce for the moment. Uh, but it really came out of a, a Collab Lab meeting that TP put on. So, you know, a plug for Collab Lab meetings. Nice. You remember, do not do not postpone going to one um, because it was at one of those meetings that we really realized like, oh my gosh, we're, we're killing it in a couple of these areas, but if we don't pay attention. And this was two or three years ago. If we don't pay attention, we're going to get left behind. 
Um, so we started doing some work. We got really serious about that about six, eight months ago. Um, and so we are modernizing our operations from within, uh, but doing it in such a way that we want to protect our people. And we want to make sure that um, that we aren't known as a shop that is trying to you know bleed every bit out of these loans um, for the benefit of just a few. And so as we have uh, desired to grow our business and grow our footprint, we just simply want to be able to grow without having to continue that nonstop uh, addition of new talent, because that's where mortgage companies usually get uh, beat up in the downturns is you had to ramp up so that you could give good uh, service to everybody, but now you're stuck because your overhead is too high. And so we're looking to modernize our infrastructure so that we can always keep our overhead low as we continue to grow. Um, And we're really excited about that. So I would say if there's anybody, again, that's gotten really complacent from the success of 2019 and 2020, buckle up because when these companies went public and some of these other companies that are a little bit more scrappy like us and a few others in the uh, in the mortgage collaborative um, you've got to put those earnings to work and if you're not modernizing if you're not constantly improving then you're going to get left behind um, now we'd love to speak with you if you feel like you're getting left behind and would like <laughs> to join our organization um, but really and truly I mean it's I think the pace of development that we're going to see is pretty substantial because we've seen huge increases in OCR we've got robotics and machine learning and we've got all these things that while I think some of the capabilities are overhyped currently um, I have no doubt that the guaranteed rates of the world and the rockets of the world and other uh, large, large organizations have been plowing millions, if not tens of millions of dollars into that R&D. So that's my thought on modernization. Very well put. And yeah, the whole like Game of Thrones in the mortgage industry, to me, well, I think you you just said it perfectly. Like how lenders invest the profits of 2020, reinvest them into their company and their future. The decisions they make on technology and leaders it, it is going to be really paramount. I think when we're sitting here uh, a couple of years from now, taking a look back at the rear view, uh, as far as who has, who has no pun intended, thrived uh, or not. So, <laughs> but Michael, always, uh, always enjoy talking about the mortgage industry with you. Really appreciate you taking the time out to join me this afternoon and appreciate your membership and appreciate the collab lag plug as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I appreciate you guys having us and, and we truly do love TMC and, and the Collab Labs are awesome. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, if you guys haven't signed up yet, make sure you're going out to the event. Uh, is it August or September? We are September 19 to 21, uh, just right. outside Los Angeles at a resort called Tyrrhenia. That is uh, really ridiculous. Just, uh, yeah, it's very nice. So should be a great time. Registration's open on mortgagecollaborative.com and we've already got we're way past our normal uh, registration totals at this point. So definitely a lot of appetite to get together in person and kind of get the family back together in September. So, yeah, well, we're excited. We'll be there. You know, a few of us will be there and we're looking forward to it. Awesome. Can't wait to see you in person, brother. And uh, thanks again for doing this. And to all of our listeners and viewers, I want to thank you for taking some time out. We do this every Tuesday at 2 PM Eastern. And of course, Uh, load all the videos to our YouTube channel. Just search the Mortgage Collaborative on YouTube uh, and release these as podcasts as well, where I know a lot of you listen as well. So until next week, have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you then. Take care. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.